Welcome in to Outkick the Show. Hey, YouTube, if you're enjoying me, as I know all of you do, because how could you possibly not enjoy me? Uh, go click like and subscribe. You will be glad that you did, and you will continue to get me all the time um, on this show and other segments out there. I'd encourage you to go subscribe again. Search out my name, Clay Travis. You can go to Outkick. Boom, go subscribe, and you'll be glad that you did. And also click like and continue to comment. I appreciate all of you. we got a bunch of different things to talk about, but obviously right off the top. Uh, now that Di uh, Joe Biden has been, uh, sorry, now that Donald Trump has been indicted, Joe Biden probably should be indicted too, but he's the president right now. At a minimum, Hunter Biden should be indicted. I've read the indictment. I've read the statement of facts. I've read everything that was provided by District Attorney Bragg in New York City uh, in the Manhattan Criminal Court. And that's why I can say, beyond a shadow of a doubt, this indictment is a disgrace. It is a failure on its face. It has failed to allege an actual crime. It should be tossed out of the court for being insufficient as a matter of law. This is not a political analysis. This is going to be a legal analysis. I'll also talk a bit about the political. Let me start with the legal. Um, effectively, a lot of numb uh, skulls out there are like, oh, he's been charged with 34 felonies. And No, it's the same thing repeated over and over again. Here's what happened. Donald Trump paid $130,000 of his own money to Stormy Daniels, who was extorting him for five years, saying that she was going to allege that they had a sexual relationship. Trump denies that there was a sexual relationship. But he paid $130,000 because he did not want her story to go public. As a result of that payment, Stormy Daniels was not supposed to speak on this issue. In fact, that was the entire reason she was paid, $130,000 was to sign a non-disclosure agreement. She violated the non-disclosure agreement. She has told her story and gotten paid for it. If anybody is a victim here, it is Donald Trump. Because otherwise, this is a victimless crime. Stormy Daniels got paid $130,000 for her story. Uh, she later told her story anyway, so she got money for nothing. Um, and this entire complaint fails on its face. Let me give you a couple of, and this is me wearing my lawyer hat. This is me taking you through all this. Okay, first of all, these are misdemeanors. Uh, the misdemeanor charges in this case for falsifying business records uh, has a two-year statute of limitations. That means it has already expired. It is not close to still being a viable, substantial case as a misdemeanor. But on top of that, the only way that this case can be brought by D.A. Alvin Bragg, who specifically got elected claiming that he was going to get Donald Trump, is by trumping up these misdemeanor charges to a felony by alleging that the misdemeanor occurred in the commission of another crime. What is that crime? We don't know. It's not laid out in the four corners of the document that was used to indict Donald Trump. Could be a state election crime in New York. Could be a federal election crime in New York. Could be some sort of tax-related charge. We don't know because Alvin Bragg has not specified what that second crime is. That's why this case should be dismissed 
if a judge were actually doing his job. That is what would occur because Donald Trump cannot provide uh, his counsel, cannot provide adequate legal defense if they don't know what the charges are being brought against him. So this should fail and be dismissed as a matter of law, okay? Going forward, however, it's an embarrassment for D.A. Bragg. This is the first time in 240 years that a president, former president, leading candidate for a party, or nominee for president has been charged with a crime. This is the first time a president has been arrested, interestingly, since Ulysses S. Grant was arrested in the 1870s for racing too fast along Pennsylvania Avenue. Uh, He paid a $20 fine. Uh, and was taken down to the courthouse in the 1870s. It's an interesting factual uh, basis. First time there's been a president or former president arrested since then, okay? Um, This is unheard of, effectively. And we didn't know about the Grant arrest for like 100 100 years till it was confirmed uh, because the guy who arrested him kept quiet. Nobody wrote about it. Nobody knew about it till after Grant died. Uh, and then it didn't become a real story till like 100 years later. Anyway, that's just an interesting little backstory. The point here is, Bragg, 240 years of criminal investigations that have gone into people like Richard Nixon, Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, people that we know committed crimes, no criminal charges brought against them. Now there are criminal charges brought against Trump. It is an illegitimate Uh, entirely political-based attack. Now, what's interesting here is I think it actually benefits Donald Trump in a big way. These charges are so illegitimate and so founded in politics over the law that Bragg came at Trump and he missed. He leaked, by the way, all of the grand jury investigation, all of the charges. There was no surprise There was no smoking gun, so to speak, in these uh, charges. It's an embarrassment. Bragg came at the king and he missed, which is why it's going to be a huge advantage for Donald Trump going forward. Now, here's what I wish we had heard from Trump last night at Mar-a-Lago that we did not. Trump is very good talking about Trump. He's very good when the story is, I'm Donald Trump. He soaks up oxygen. His address last night for 25 minutes at Mar-a-Lago was on every television network. He is adroit. He is skilled. He is an incredibly aggressive defender of himself. And he soaks up oxygen like no politician in my life. But a lot of times that means Trump is very focused on Trump himself and not the larger context surrounding Trump. And that's what I think the bigger story is here. Let me explain. Trump is, to me, a personification now of what can happen when one political party decides that they are going to throw all precedent, all history, all notions of fair play and justice out the window and just go after their political adversary. This has never happened before in American political history that a leading presidential candidate, a former president, would have a charge foisted against him and that it would occur in the middle of his attempt to become the nominee to run against the sitting president. 
Moreover, that this would occur in April of 2023. The next hearing in this case is not set till December 4th of 2023. And right now, wildly, Bragg and the New York District Attorney's Office is asking for a trial in this case in January of 2024, directly in the middle of the Republican primary season. It's unprecedented interference with an election. You've never seen anything like this before. Hey, Clay Travis here. Hope you guys are enjoying OutKick. The show will have more coming back next. Trump, if he could make this about the anti-democratic decisions, the ridiculous politicization of our Justice Department, and how he is an example of that, I think he would win. And I think he would win big. And as I said yesterday, I would love to see Trump, I wish he had done it last night, I wish he had said, if you've come to this country from Cuba, if you've come to this country from Venezuela, if you've come to this country from Russia or China, you know what is going on here. Those countries regularly jail the political adversaries of people in power. It's never happened in America before. It's happening to me now. It's important for you to understand this. I'm just the first. I'm not going to be the last. Democrats, while claiming to be opposed to authoritarianism, to totalitarianism, to total and complete political power, are actually doing things to their political adversaries that have never happened before in the United States history. Democrats are trying to put me in jail to keep me from being the next president of the United States. That is the message that Trump should be hammering. Also, he should pivot, in my opinion, from that and say, as a result of the seriousness of these attacks upon me and American democracy, I'm not going to say a single negative word about anybody else running for the Republican nomination. I'm going to be the nominee. I am going to go toe-to-toe with Joe Biden, and I am going to beat him, and I'm going to remake America and put back in an actual Department of Justice. Okay? I am going to do all that, but I'm not going to punch down at other Republicans right now because the stakes are too high. Every Republican, to their credit, has lined up behind me and pointed out how illegitimate these charges are. I'm going to return that goodwill by no longer attacking people. Even though I want to attack Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley and whoever else is running against me, because I'm clearly the best candidate, I'm going to refrain from doing that because the consequences are too dire right now and Democrats are attacking us too aggressively with a united front, whether it's Joe Biden, Alvin Bragg, Fannie Willis down in Atlanta, soon to be Jack Smith with the Department of Justice, Merrick Garland. They're all lined up against me. I don't need to be firing behind lines at other people that are inside of uh, our friendly combatant line. I don't need to turn the gun on somebody else who's sitting here inside of the foxhole with me. So I'm not going to do that anymore. If Trump could do that, if Trump could deliver that message that I just laid out, he'd win in 2024, and I think he'd win comfortably. Not sure if he can do it. Because the challenge with Trump is he's a bull in a china shop. He automatically makes everything about him, and then it turns into a grievance against Trump as opposed to a grievance against the country. 
a lot of people out there, I think, sadly, don't care what's done to Trump because they've made up their mind about what they think about Donald Trump, about what they think about his politics. That's why this story can't be about what's being done to Trump. It has to elevate and be about what Democrats are doing to the country and the precedent that they are setting and the fact that Trump is not going to be the only guy that faces this. He is just the first. Trump's 76. He's going to be, at some point, probably sooner rather than later, off the political stage. Even if he wins in 2024, his political career is over by 2028. He is going to be off the stage. But somebody else is going to be up next, and the Democrats are going to use the same sordid playbook against them. That's the message that Trump needs to share. And that's the message that I wish he would share. But I circle back again on the criminal uh, allegations, the indictment. There isn't a single victim, not one victim in the entire United States from this sordid mess. Not one. Unless you want to consider Trump himself to be the victim. Nobody else, not the state of New York, not the country certainly, uh, not Stormy Daniels, not Karen McDougal, none of them. None of these people are victims. And so the idea that New York would spend tens of millions of dollars, untold numbers of hours, going after Donald Trump is to me indefensible. But eight months until the next hearing, lots of motions going to be filed in the meantime. Uh, this is a dead-on-arrival case. There are going to be, in my opinion, no significant legal consequences to eventually emerge from this case. The question is, what happens in Atlanta? What happens with DOJ going forward? And how does Trump continue to respond? Uh, Don Lemon is under attack. An article in Variety accuses him of misogyny. Let me make sure that I get this right because I want to make sure uh, that I share with you the headline correctly from Variety um, and the uh, the story that is out there uh, right now is, uh, and I'm scrolling through, Don Lemon's misogyny at CNN. This is the headline from Variety. Exposed. Malicious text mocking female co-workers um, and diva-like behavior. This is the story that is inside a Variety. Several thousand words. Somebody at CNN, maybe lots of people at CNN, are trying to get Don Lemon fired. Uh, this is directly connected, of course, to his suggestion that Nikki Haley was past her prime, which turned into a big story and led to Don Lemon taking a couple of days off work. Um, I would say the most damning allegation that is made inside of this article about Don Lemon is that from a burner phone, he texted threats to a, uh, to a co-worker uh, that, he, that was doing things that he did not like. And I'll find that part uh, of the story because I think uh, it is the most substantial. Uh, this is about, uh, let's see, Phillips. Let me see what her first name is. Um, Kyra Phillips was a worker alongside of Don Lemon back in 2008. And while Phillips was on assignment in Iraq, uh, Don Lemon wanted that. He would complain about it all the time. When I'm reading from Variety right now, when she returned from Iraq, things only got weirder. 
One night while dining with members of the news team, she received the first of two threatening text messages from an unknown number on her flip phone that warned, now you've crossed the line and you're going to pay for it. Uh, The article says Phillips visibly rattled and she enlisted CNN's higher ups to identify the sender. The texts were then traced back to Don Lemon. An HR investigation was launched. The findings were not disclosed, but Don Lemon was pulled from a co-anchor responsibility and moved to weekends. Um, and CNN now says, oh, they can't... Cor-. Don says the alleged incident... This is CNN PR. Don says the alleged incident never occurred and that he was never notified of any investigation. CNN cannot corroborate the alleged events from 15 years ago. But this is intriguing because uh, the attack here is so aggressive uh, on Don Lemon that clearly there are powerful people inside of CNN that want him removed from being able to continue at the network. It will be interesting to see what the full faith and credit, basically, of this Variety article is. I saw this story in New York Times this morning. It was kind of buried In the middle part of the newspaper, you'll recall that I am an old man and that I read the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal in print format every single day. Um, And according to this article, uh, it says just 17% of Americans have gotten the most recent COVID booster. Let me repeat that. 17% of Americans have gotten the most recent COVID booster. That means 83% of Americans are now recognizing that the COVID shot is effectively worthless. And even many of the people that have spent a lot of time on Twitter lecturing you about how important it is that you get your COVID booster shot, 83% of them have elected not to get the COVID booster themselves. That, I believe, is very significant as you break down and analyze exactly what is going on in this larger universe of the COVID shot failure. It's why I believe COVID shot, there should be immunity removed, lawsuits should be filed, or all of these COVID shot companies should return 100% of their profits to the American taxpayer. Uh, Either we let plaintiff's lawyers go to town on them for their failed shots, or we should get all of our money back as taxpayers for the the farce, for the fraud that was perpetrated upon us, which overwhelming majorities of Americans are now recognizing, including many of the blue checkmark brigade out there that have been lecturing you about how you needed to get the COVID shot. When I said I wasn't going to get it, and when I said I wasn't going to get it for my kids, that was considered to be a controversial opinion. People would attack me vociferously for saying so, of Americans have not gotten the COVID booster because it lasts for basically no time and provides limited, if any, protection. And if you are young and healthy, the WHO is even saying you shouldn't even get this shot. That's what the WHO is saying. The CDC should acknowledge that. They should apologize for everything they've said about the necessity of the COVID shot. Uh, Finally, we had a race in Chicago last night. And I didn't think it was possible, but the city of Chicago actually elected 
a worse mayor potentially than Lori Lightfoot, who to this point was the single worst mayor, I believe, in the entire country. And they've actually made the choice to go, Brandon Johnson, I believe is his name, with a socialist, with a guy who believes that police should be defunded, with a guy that is going to make the city of Chicago even worse. And I would just say this. If you have the opportunity, if you are living in Chicago right now, and you have the opportunity, the wherewithal, the ability to leave the city of Chicago, I would leave because things are only going to get worse. I don't know how much longer it's going to continue to get worse, but replacing someone who was too soft on crime and taxed people too much with someone who is even softer on crime and who wants to tax people even more is going to be an abject disaster for the city of Chicago. A lot of people from Chicago have moved out of Illinois. They've moved to Texas. They've moved to Tennessee. They've moved to Florida. If you can leave Chicago, I would leave. If you own a business in Chicago and you can relocate it, I would move my business out of Chicago and live somewhere else. This city has fallen apart and evidently the people of Chicago are not ready for a real leader like a Rudy Giuliani or a Bloomberg who eventually took over in New York City and actually ran the city in a functional manner and made it safe for everyone. This is a failure. We are continuing to have failures. The evidence is clear. Soft on crime policies lead to more deaths, more murder, lack of safety for everyone, white, black, Asian, and Hispanic, and it's getting worse. All right. Uh, I am, uh, oh, last thing. I said last thing, but I was wrong. Jill Biden, the doctor, excuse me, excuse me, Dr. Jill Biden is getting absolutely torched for suggesting that the Iowa women's basketball team also come visit the White House, even though Iowa's women's basketball team lost. Now, I believe that this has been ridiculed by members of the LSU basketball team, but it is indicative of how everything Joe Biden touches, even things that Jill Biden touches, are an unmitigated disaster. Uh, This is part and parcel of the participation trophy uh, in America. I have long believed that every team and every player on any championship team that gets invited to the White House should go. Uh, but the White House under Joe Biden uh, has been incompetent on a lot of stuff. They took forever for them to invite uh, the Georgia football team. Uh, but Dr. Jill Biden uh, n- uh, inviting a team that lost by, I think, 18 or 19 points to the White House because she thought they played so well uh, was roundly criticized, ridiculed to such an extent that she had to pull the invitation. So uh, that is the latest on the women's college basketball fallout. I appreciate all of you. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP, I will be out at Little League Baseball Stadiums tonight. Uh, And I hope all of you, assuming we don't get a lot of bad weather, I hope all of you have a fantastic Wednesday. This has been Outkick, the show.